0: We are live from the Empire of Lies on a rough day in the middle of the vast barren wasteland that is the Biden administration. I'm Liz Shanahan, and this is the Backstory. So, Rod, you know what I mean? It's a rough day.
1: Yeah, after after what happened yesterday, it's just you know, it's not it's not, it's not a, uh, a pleasant day in American history and. Especially after what just happened, I guess, an hour ago from Mr. Uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke. From, from what? Uh, did you see the clip of Beto O'Rourke? No. Yeah, he, you know, the um, Greg Abbott, Senator, uh, Senator Cruz, and, and other uh, um, Texas politicians in the area were giving a speech or, you know, some type of announcement. And uh, Beto O'Rourke came into the auditorium, interrupted, and made it about AR-15s and it's a crazy clip you gotta see it
0: oh yeah I saw somebody on Twitter briefly but I was prepping for a show and I did not see the clip but it, it sounds just like the kind of thing is' so typical trying to score political points on this Russell Brand did a video recently on this and he as is typical for him made I, I think a lot of points it said now's not the time for scoring political points. There are 19 families who've lost a child. That's where we are. There are 19 families who've lost a child. And two two teachers as well. So, you know,
1: also two other families involved.
0: Well, I mentioned children because while we have had some occurrences that have equaled this for body count, the fact that there are 19 children makes this uniquely awful. inconceivable, almost. I have a child who's about that age, and I couldn't imagine. And I dare say no one can. So, uh, we'll talk about some of it today, because our first guest in the first hour is Madge Troy from the group Black Guns Matter. And he's a second man advocate And then the second hour, we have an interview I've pre-taped already with Mark Sabota from Moscow. It's an update on the Ukraine-Russia war, I think it's a very good overview on it. And updates you on some of the latest events happening, and also answers the question, who's winning? And I think there's a clear answer on that, Russia's winning. But we'll talk about that with Mark in the interview next hour. But right now I'll just say this is the backstory. I never like it after. I never like doing a show, especially after such tragic events. because first off, I'm a commentator, and as someone comments on things, I don't have much to say. What can I say? This is uh, but I'll, I'll say some stuff anyway, because that's my job. There's nothing you can say to deal with the parents' grief, and just what everybody's tendency—you know this, Rod—people's tend to want to blame someone or something, ideology, or the mental health system, or parents, or guns. And if you lost a child yesterday in Texas. Can you imagine any of that would sound good?
1: No, 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 not at all, Lee. Um, it's it's a you know what, what happened yesterday is a sad state of affairs. And like you said, you know, people try to search for a uh, a reason or an explanation. Um, you know, some things are what they are. I mean, you can't govern the whole world. You know what I mean? As much as certain people want. You know, there are people who have bad intention, evil intentions. Um, and, you know, whether they use an instrument or whether they they use their hands, some people are going, you know, it's just, the you know, the world we live in. Um, it's not just America. Uh, it happens in other places as well. Not necessarily shootings, but just horrific crimes like this. Um, so, yeah.
0: And I see a lot of people like this on Twitter. Texting Joe Biden, tweeting, tweeting at Joe Biden, saying do something about it. Well, l- let me point out the problem with that the Second Amendment. And I don't say the Second Amendment is a problem, but it is a problem if you're trying to ban guns. Right? The president does not have an unlimited ability to pass the executive order and ban certain classes of weapons because it's not clear what the Supreme Court would
1: do on that. Does that make sense, Rod? Uh, Yeah, that's a... It's an issue that's been, since I can remember, since I was born, I've I've been hearing these uh, arguments and, you know, people who want to abolish the Second Amendment so there will be no more guns and supposedly in their mind that'll end uh, uh, people dying from guns, innocent people dying from guns. But, you know, as we know that I don't, you know, criminals will always find a way to get guns. We have the, you know, 3D printing guns out now. So it's, you know, uh, I don't think we can govern this by law necessarily.
0: Well, but by the way, anyone who wants to call in, if you got thoughts on this, and they don't have to be profound, but if you want to share your thoughts, 521-1320 and feel free to call in and express yourself. But uh, the reality is, we have a Second Amendment, and the reality is. Is not going to be overturned, right? That's just realistic. It's part of our constitution, and there's no political will to change significant parts of the constitution. So whether you want it or not, it's unlikely to happen. And not, I'm not even saying whether it's a good idea or bad idea. But it's not going to happen. So get that out of your head. The other point that deserves to be made is that, you know, Greg Abbott's in some trouble now. Because he pointed out that more children die, more people die, not children. People die in Chicago every weekend often than die in this horrific event. And that's true. The children factor is a difference. But what we've shown is that strict gun laws, Chicago's got a lot of gun laws. New York's got a lot of gun laws. It does not, having strict gun laws does not necessarily change these mass shootings. And that's another reality.
1: Now, what say you, Rod? No, I'm 100% in agreeance with that. Um, look at Chicago. Um, that's a perfect example. New York City, it's almost – it's super hard in New York City. I, I think I only know one, maybe two people that are able to carry a gun around New York City So who are regular citizens. And, I mean, we had uh, Carmelo on yesterday and talking about the gang problem. And, you know, these are things that are never addressed, you know, uh, young people um, – there's videos online, Lee. I'll, I'll send them to you so you can see them. And so instead of just me talking about, there's videos of kids 11, 12, maybe even 10, just in uh, recreation centers. All of them would. would- I'm not just talking regular handguns. I'm talking about Uzis and all types of stuff, just in their backpacks and in their in their shorts, and they're just showing it off on social media. So, so I mean, I, and you, you and you and I know that they didn't go into a gun store and buy those guns at ten, eleven, twelve years old. So and that that's Chicago, that's that's um, New York City with these strict gun laws. And how are these kids able to get these guns with the strictest gun laws?
0: No, right. Well, because. The people who want guns for nefarious reasons find a way to get them, right? If you want a gun that's unpermitted and exists outside the law, you'll find it. And people can say, in a society where guns are legal and fairly plentiful, and You're not going to do much to change that because a lot of people in this country live in rural areas. And I pointed this out before. If you want a shotgun, if you're in Manhattan, that's a bad weapon to have because it goes right through the walls. But if you live on five acres, a shotgun is a good weapon to have. So we have some... Tightly packed urban areas, Chicago, New York, and so on. Then we have some open rural areas. And different people, you know, a lot of people in rural areas, obviously, go hunting. If you've got to gun go in New York, you probably aren't bagging deer with it. You're probably going to take out a pheasant. And different people, you're probably using a long gun, not for hunting but what are you going to do to change that because new york's also got upstate new york chicago's also got areas like peoria and champagne and others are even more rural than that hey lee
1: um yeah but you know uh, piggyback what i was talking about from also from yesterday you know I, I saw that this young man's grandfather came out i believe his grandfather came out and said that he didn't know he had all these guns so you know does you know i mean he's 18 also so technically he's an adult but at the same time you know where's the accountability of the parents um it's or, or the responsibility of of the parents you know look at look at from 2020 to now where we had a, a year you know a summer of riots and it was mostly young people, you know, where's the where are the parents? Why is it so offensive to ask about the accountability of the parents? Like, what did you know about your child? Whereabouts uh, and and whatnot and who their friends are and what type of thoughts they might be having? You know, things like that.
0: Well, I, I, I may be on that personally. Uh, legally, there's very little you can do. And. If someone's asking the question, here's the thing. When something horrible and senseless, because I I would say this is senseless. Even the shooting in Buffalo, it at least made sense, in a sense, don't take me wrong, but the guy wrote a manifesto, right? Now, it's senseless. But this is clearly a mental illness or something, or evil, or whatever you want to put it down to. Who's the first caller, Command Central? Okay, so we'll go to Sharif first, Joe 2-521-1320. What's on your mind, Sharif? How
2: you doing? Um, y'all, how y'all doing? First, I'd like to say free jewelry and science. I have a couple of rants. is dealing with what happened in is going on in Ukraine, and also this this summer if what I understand the rumors is we're gonna have a hot summer getting you know, a whole bunch of stuff's gonna be going down and um like maybe riot is so because of the ro versus raid thing you got these mass shootings that's just happening to pop up again right before election. I remember remember Escobar say something like that in one of his articles so the 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 thing is this look. You got high inflation. You got the war going on in Ukraine, forty billion dollars. You got we're going into election year. We got problems with baby formula. We got problems with the grain that's coming not coming out of Europe, I mean, not coming out of Ukraine. Which you're going to have a food crisis in Europe, and it's going to come and hit the U.S. But by the end of the summer, the early fall, um, autumn. You got the, the White House that want to limit free speech with these platforms, and especially with these mass shootings taking place, things of this nature. That's giving more and more the surveillance, the surveillance state, the authority to lock things down and try to get the public behind them to pass laws to lock things down. Now, yesterday I was watching um, Colonel McGregor and George Antonio, and they say something. They both know this, and I just found thought about this yesterday, That is there's a rumor circulating... You in, um, in DC, saying that the Biden administration, come July, is going to activate the National Guards and the Reserve. I'm not talking about the ones in just DC. I'm talking about the National Guard Reserve throughout the, the nation. They said they're they going to do it is because what's going on in Ukraine. Well, we both know if that rumor is true and they do activate the National Guard and Reserve, it have nothing to do with Ukraine. Well, it's going to have something to do with the November election and everything else that's going to lead up to the November elections if they start having mass riots and other little acts start happening where the government might try to impose certain laws to start shutting down different portions of the Internet. You know, because once they activate certain national guards and reservists, certain laws come into existence. So I don't know how true that is, but I hope it's not true. But we got these. Mass terror events that's happening, and it's always benefiting. I'm sorry to say this, it's always benefiting one party, and it's always it's always benefiting the so-called deep state, the surveillance state. So the best thing we do is to, to prevent things like this that's to happen again from happening again. We gotta be mindful. We gotta be show love to each other. We gotta stick together. That's how you got That's how you stopped it. That's my opinion. Thank you for taking my call.
0: Thanks, Sharif. Now, who's next, Command Central? Okay, let's go to Ingrid in DC, 202 521 1320. What's on your mind, Ingrid?
3: You had a a great show yesterday, two wonderful guests. Uh, Carmelo, I'm wondering if um, you and Jason didn't notice. <clears throat> or whether you did notice and you didn't want to bring attention to the fact that he, that Carmelo talked about all of this social media and that he thought it would be appropriate for whoever controls things like TikToks, And he didn't quite spell it out, but it sounded like he was in favor of some kind of moderation or censorship. And, when he was talking about all these, these um, the influence, the tremendous influence of these uh, music videos on children, I was somewhat taken aback. But then I also remembered, um, well, the influence that, that these things have had on all generations. And you're probably aware of the uh, people saying that the CIA was promoting and supporting say, Jackson Pollock or the British musicians such as the Beatles, and that these were like um, social engineering kind of deep state activities. So I don't know. I guess there's a question in there somewhere of where you come out. Like, who is, you know, who is seeing and promoting these drill videos that are having this influence on these children?
0: Well, the CIA-backed modern art. They sponsored modern artists and the 50s. That's been established. So that's true. I heard what he was saying, but I didn't hear him. I, 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 I took Carmelo to be a father who's identifying a problem, but not a solution necessarily. Rod, did you get that idea? that Carmelo saw the problem, but it's of the solution.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure about how, you know, uh, educated he is on the First Amendment and, you know, the social media companies on that. But I think he, what he was trying to say, because, you know, I, I feel the same way he feels. You know, it's different from the TV where, you know, when the 90s, early 2000s, where you have to wait for his music video to come back in circulation. They're watching TikTok and Snapchat which they scroll up and down. And I mean, they can watch these videos over and over and over again. And it's young people uh, advocating this gang culture uh, that's um, in, in certain cities. Uh, weirdly enough, in Philly, we don't really have a gang culture. I don't know why. It's never, you know, it's never been able to, to hit in Philly. It's just neighborhood stuff, you know, just neighborhood neighborhood violence. You know, if you're from here, you're from there. But in, you know, I'm originally from New York, I'm originally from Queens and the gang's, uh, the gang culture has exploded to a different level now versus then, and it's just like it's a, like, you, like we talk about now. This, this is senseless what happened in Texas, but it's also senseless what's happening in a lot of communities around America where these kids are growing up off these, this culture that that comes around music and things like that, and that's what they're living off of.
0: And that's why, ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm a free speech advocate. I don't mind someone suggesting some type of social media control over, for instance, I'll, I'll just say it broadly. If you're aiming content at children, do you agree, Rod, that it might be a different category than if you're aiming content at adults?
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. And it's, right. it's different. And it's different when kids are making things for kids. You know what I mean. So for for twelve year olds making videos, and they're saying, "Well, this is for people in my peer." You know, my peers. You know, how do you, how do you curtail that? How do you moderate that?
0: And that's why I'm in favor of discussion, because I don't know the answers, and I don't think anyone knows the answers. But we can maybe get the answer by talking about it. Two hundred two, five 202-521-1320. Our friend Brave, Brave, what's on your mind?
4: Hey, what's going on, guys? I kind of wanted to piggyback off of the um, conversation you having right now, obviously, and uh, even, and even touch slightly on Ingrid's point um, on, on your call on your uh, guest yesterday, um, Carmelo. The point, Carmelo, I believe his name was Carmelo, right? The um, the point yeah. that he raised about um, the point that he raised actually about the um, the light suggestion about um, the powers that be um, putting a little more control and i'm i 'm paraphrasing obviously, but putting a little more control on some of this, uh, some of this internet access and' some of the material that 's on the internet right um i get that I get that perspective as a parent right, and I also get the other side of the argument as a as a guy who used to rap back in the day you know it, it felt like we should have all the free speech in the world, and that and that um the music was not leading the violence but it was just uh, uh, telling the story right um at the age that I am at, in my older age I, I find myself being a little more um um, conservative, I guess, about, about that perspective because um, fr- first of all, when, when he, brought, when he uh, brought the term drill music, I didn't even know they were still calling it drill music, I thought it took on another life, but that, that is a serious thing. Um, these, these kids, um, there's it, always been like what you would call the gangster, music, the gangster rap or the more violent um, hip aspects of hip-hop, right? But th- there is something going on now in the music, and you guys just refer to it as the gang culture, but it's it's far worse than that. And I and I and I would I um I'm, I'm, I have to I actually have to go a little bit further and say it's not just the music; it's just something that's in our in our culture, in an American culture right now. Period. In our media that's being pushed out, um, that's just it's desensitizing our kids, right? And I think a lot of us are desensitized, but it's it's I see it every day with with these teenagers. Like they're they're being desensitized. Like in Atlanta, we have and the numerous amounts of murders every single day like every single day and yeah it's tied to gangs and drugs but far more than that but the thing that, I, that stands out to me to, to be the most alarming is these kids don't a lot of these kids don't have um any any sense of emotion when it comes to this stuff now and um i don't think that's just about some rap music i, I don't think that's just a, about you know uh, a movie i think it's i think it's American culture, period, and where we're seeing our society. Because we have a, a very brutal society here in America. No one has the answers you're correct. And I don't want to rant, but no one has the answers. But if we have to look at our society, we have a very brutal society. I mean, even, to, even when, you, when you break down to the extent of, you know, there's got to be winners and losers, you know, the, the zero-sum game. And that's, that's just bringing it down to, like, uh, economics, right? And, and, and being competitive, right? But we do have a very uh, violent culture because there's many other countries that have weapons. And guys, like, and they don't have the same experiences that we have. So again, no one has the answers, tr- true enough. And the sad part is that most parents, most people that aren't like watching politics every day, they're looking for some sense of relief. And so it makes sense for them to say, "Hey, yeah, we should, um, we should like kind of cut back on what's being allowed on the internet." But the problem is, the powers that be are interested in cutting that back. They don't care about cutting that back. They say, t- if, if you give them that ability, what they cut back is the people that will raise their voices against. The, the elite not doing what they're supposed to do or screwing over the American people. They have no problem cutting off. Let, let's say a Scott Ritter, but for some reason the kid can make a, make a rap video and go viral holding a, a, a Mac or something like that. So I, I think that's, 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 I don't know. We we really have some issues here in America and I think it goes back to the early days. Uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? And that's all, that's all I can come up with on that.
2: No,
0: I, and that's why I appreciate it. Go brave. I've said I'm in favor of free speech because I don't think, I think these are complex issues. And I think shutting down speech, even shutting down, and this relates to the thing I was saying about early in the week. The simplicity that I think a lot of people do, when you say it's one thing, you're already wrong because nothing's that simple. So people say, It's simple, just ban guns. It's not that simple. And I wish it were, but it's also not right to say just don't ban guns. I think some things may need to change about what weapons, because I've said this before. There are some weapons that aren't allowed. Full auto weapons aren't allowed. And so that may change over time, but just putting it down to the gun or to parents or whatever, it's more complex than that. 202 1320 Malik, what's on your mind? Okay, Malik's gone. Rod, what do you think about what Bray was saying?
1: No, I uh, I gotta agree with uh, with Brave, and you know, um, you know, we only have so so much time to speak. So, and I wasn't trying to say it's just all the music, uh, but I think it's a piece of it, because you know, when I was growing up, you know, uh, I, you weren't able to have something in your hand or in your pocket, unlimited information. As long as you charge your battery, you can, you know, what I mean, It'd be informed, entertained, or whatever whatever you um, may be with the cell phone, and you can, you know retrieve this type of information or influence from, uh, other young people. And so I think that's one piece of it. And then I, I brought up the parent part because, um, you know, in this case, the like they said, the grandfather came out and said, he didn't know, he had, he had all these guns, the kid's 18. So it's a, it's a, you're splitting a hair. He's already an adult. So technically, you know what I mean? He could, uh, have guns, but I don't know about the guns he used. I think he used AR. So, um, yes. so, it's a, yeah. So we can go back to uh, we can go to Malik real quick and see what he has to Let's say.
0: Let's get Malik 13, joining. What's on your mind, Malik?
5: Hey, thanks for taking my call. There, I'm I'm just gonna really jump right into it. You know, and I and I'll say pretty much something very similar to what i said on uh, fault lines a few days ago i've 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 in many ways divested from you know uh, uh, America and, and and what america's future is going to be because I, I can you know i can pretty much see the writing on the wall and i think a lot of us can um, but I, i'll say this i kind of look at I, 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 again I, I i look at things as an outsider because you know <laughs> One and I, and I shouldn't say these things because I'll be quite honest, man. I've 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 told you guys I've I've dealt with my own issues in terms of having my car broken into uh, because of the, you know things I was posting on Twitter about about the vaccine and so on and so forth. But I think America needs to get to the point where it really starts to take a a, a look at an honest look at its government and in its its intelligence agencies because. Even going back to the Washington sniper, and you look at some of the people who were actually killed. Some of them you could say they were random, but when you look and when you hold up a magnifying glass to some of the people who were shot, these were significant people. Some of them, you know, uh, some of them were, you know, were linked to uh, specific inventions. Some of them were FBI agents. They're, one of the gentlemen who was shot in Buffalo, uh, and this is fact, was the creator of a. Uh, uh, an engine, a black gentleman was created of an engine that, uh, run, uh ran on water. You, I mean, and you're going to tell me that, uh, that's a random, that's a random act that this guy, just, you know, the guy who creates, a uh, uh, water-powered engine in his in his garage, just, he, he's, there, he's one of the guys who gets shot at the supermarket going to get a birthday cake? I mean, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It is time for people to really look at how criminal this government is. And I Obviously, the Democratic Party is desperate. They are desperate. And, the, and those that are in the intelligence community who are backing the Democratic Party, who are the aim of that criminal syndicate, are willing to do whatever they need, they need to do to hold power, to keep sway over the public, to keep the public terrorized. And it is disgusting. It is disgusting to me as someone who I think I have a hold of my sanity to look at the television watching zombies of this country and just in no one wants to be honest about what's happening here. And I'm not saying that every shooting has anything to do with the intelligence community, but God, at this point, someone has to say, listen, this stinks. This stuff stinks. It stinks to high heaven and people need to put the brakes on this stuff. And, I'm, and I apologize for getting excited, man. But it's it's really ridiculous to me at this point. And I'm not saying obviously we don't live in a culture of violence, and that you know that rap music is is out of hand. And, and obviously, rap music. Has, you know, has no connection to the black community anymore. That is completely a corporatist entity, and we all know that the intelligence community has a connection to Hollywood. It has a connection to television. So, of course, it has a connection to the music industry and what these kids are listening to that are making them absolute zombies.
0: Hey, Malik, let me go to the break here, but great call. And let me say this. For those people who may listen to Malik and say, It sounds like conspiratorial thinking. How many times have we heard things that were put down as conspiracies, but later turned out to be true? I'm not saying anything he's saying is true. I'd heard a thing about the water car, and I don't know if that had anything to do with it. And he's not either. But when people have heard things put down as conspiracy theories time and time again that they turn out to be true, or some element of truth. It makes it very hard to just put things down as conspiracy theories. And that's why I'm in favor of free speech and let it all out and let people say stuff and try to make their case. And don't try to shut them down by saying it's a conspiracy theory. let we'll go to a short break. When we come back, Maj Touré, he's from Black Guns Manor. And I'm sure I'll have some interesting stuff to say about this on a dead tragedy in America on the backstory. This is a backstory on 105.5 FM, AM 1390 in Washington, D.C. Joining us now from the group Black Guns Matter, Mosh Choray. Hey, Mosh,
6: how you doing? Hey, what's going on, man? Appreciate you for having me.
0: Well, appreciate you being on. And I thought you would be a great guest to have. It's a horrible tragedy, obviously. But people are going to be talking about guns today. So broadly, how what do you think coming into this on the discussion that happens about guns every time one of these mass shooting happens?
6: One, we have to look at data. Okay? So when we and I'm not talking about manipulating of data and turning it into statistics that strengthen our, our personal argument. We have to look at genuinely objectively, say I want to find data that will solve the problem. Okay? Now when we look at some of this data in 1990, President Joe Biden, you know, then writes co-authors legislation that creates gun free zones. Those gun free zones, since 1991 when it became law, over 90% of mass shootings are in gun free zones. And you can fast forward to last week in Buffalo, where you have a 18-year-old who literally writes out a manifesto and says, "And again, I don't want to argue whether it was MK Ultra, or whether he was a Manchurian candidate. That's another discussion because the people on on the ground." It doesn't matter to them. The reality is this kid allegedly wrote this manifesto saying I'm going to New York and I'm picking this place because there's a lot of black people in Buffalo, in this section of Buffalo. And I know their laws are as such where they will not be able to stop me from firing. Gun free zone. So that's the data. 90 percent of mass shootings since 1990 are in gun free zone. So we need to repeal those. Thomas presented legislation a while back to repeal gun-free zones. That needs to be back on the table. They do not work. It's a 30, almost 40-year experiment that has cost countless amount of lives. The other data, because mainstream media, leftist media, will present something saying, oh, this is an insane amount of murder. One is enough, and I'm going to be clear about that. As someone that has children, one is too many. However, we got to be aware of when mainstream media or lamestream media is manipulating this because of something so tragic to make it look more than what it is. These mass shootings make up less than 1% of all shootings in America annually. And again, one homicide is too much, but I want to be clear that the opposition that are profiting and manipulating have their agenda of removing firearms ownership from the individual citizen. They have the benefit to play on people that are empathetic about tragedy, play on their emotions for their own political gain. So we have to address that and remove it. Less than 1% of shootings in America are mass shootings. So that's that. Then we have to step into what are we telling our administration, school administrators and things of that nature, what are we telling them to do in, in regards to training? The standard operational procedure seems to be run, hide, barricade, and potentially fight. One, run where? Run where? You don't do any active shooter drills consistently or you're shaming the schools that decide to say we want to be proactive and we want to teach our young people to do active shooter drills. We say, well, we shouldn't have to do that in America. Well, it's a reality. There are weirdos that we've allowed the pharmaceutical industry to control us. And so because of that, another vast majority data of these mass shooters are on psych meds. We, we're scared to have this conversation about the dangers of psychiatric medicines because that impacts big pharma, Pfizer's, Moderna's, and all that. But yet still we want to pretend like that, that isn't correlated, and it, it, it is correlated. So on top of that, when we highlight the schools in a negative way that are actually being proactive, right, we tell the other stu- students and schools and administrators, hey, just run, go hide with no data behind it. Barricade, West Virginia, this weirdo. Killed about 30 people in barricaded rooms. He shot the locks off of the doors. He pummeled people with rounds that were trying to protect themselves with books, furniture, and desks. That is not a strategy for a victory and defending life. Then we tell people, okay, well, just run. Run from where? Most of the government institution schools, public schools, are made out of cement, are made out of concrete. And when a shot goes off, you can't. the echo is that sir. I not even know where that shot is coming from. So telling these young people and teachers who care about our children to run, run where? Run till what end? What is the opportunity? Running, hiding, barricading, and potentially fighting is not correct protocol for an active shooter scenario. There is no law enforcement instructor that is worth his or her weight in salt. There is no special operations person that's going to tell you that these are good po- policies to tell our administrators or our educators or our teachers. It's bad. It's bad. Then, to put the cherry on top. There's no information in relation to what the hypothalamus does, what, what when cortisol is in your body, what happens when adrenaline is pumping, when dopamine is pumping. There's no full conversation about that or actual training. What we do is we spend, and I say we as a nation because our public servants, we've allowed it. We spend and send $40 billion dollars To Ukraine, where we don't live, and we don't put 30 million towards hardening our schools in a manner where the children are protected, but it also doesn't look like a militarized police zone. These things are doable. There's organizations like Operation, excuse me, Faster Saves Lives, which is in uh, right outside in Ohio, that trains excuse me, uh, instructors and teachers that want to learn to carry their firearm in the school voluntarily. They're doing a great job. We have the answers. All of the places that have those gun-free zones, even if the state or city itself is pro-gun, if gun-free zones, which are federal schools, that's where these people are going. And so we have to step back and outside of our political positioning and things of that nature, we have to step back and go on the ground and this is what has not been working again that starts with repealing gun free zones they do not work emboldening and strengthening our instructors that choose to want to take training to voluntarily carry firearms because a lot of these instructors are already concealed carry weapons holders okay we're just hamstringing them when they walk into the building right also as well as showing and linking up with organizations and finding the funding the government has, you guys printed up trillions of dollars that never made it to the people over the last two years, supposed COVID relief, print up some money or use some of those funds to handle this. Since you say it's a public crisis, use the resources to handle it as such with vetted, quality, uh, uh, law enforcement, special operations forces, veterans, firearms instructors that can solve this problem in damn near a week. And if that's not the case, then you're just doing more lip service Right before, you know, randomly, right before so-called randomly, right before an election, midterms, just to say this thing and saying we have to do something. No, we don't have to do something. We have to do something that works. So that is a comprehensive plan of what we can do. The resources can be allocated. The government has the resources. The, The voluntary communities and the people will step up and volunteer and assist. I know veterans that would take that job gladly to protect our youth, and that's what needs to happen, regardless of your political opinion.
0: Now, let me do something that I don't usually do. If people want to call in on this segment, Madge, I assume you can handle hand yourself a conversation, right? You're not afraid to talk to people. Not at all. Right. I, I got that impression. But if you want to talk to Madge, if you want to talk to someone who's passionate and very smart and knowledgeable about this uh Feel free to call in, 202-521-1320. Now, Madge, one thing you didn't mention that I want to see what you think about. One thing I think doesn't help is demonizing the NRA. Mm? The NRA is one of the groups that could actually help because they teach gun safety, Mm? among other things. Mm? And the NRA community gets demonized. Because they're in favor of Second Amendment rights. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And no lives are saved by demonizing the NRA. What do you think about that?
6: Because white liberals are going to demonize any organization, whether it's the NRA, whether it's Firearms Policy Coalition, whether it's Gun Owners of America, whether it's NAGR, whether it's the National Association for Gun, uh, African American Gun Association, whether it's Black Guns Matter. White liberals are the most racist Group of beings that you will ever come across. They have a soft bigotry of low expecta- expectations. And a lot of that gun control was started by white liberals to make sure that black people did not have the means to defend themselves. So we got to be very clear about that and deal with the, you know, the, the uh, situation at hand. So, no, demonizing any organization, regardless of how people feel about the NRA in regards to how much they're working for, Second Amendment rights, huge shouts to Lieutenant Colonel Allen B. West, who, if I have my druthers, will be the next person in charge over there at at the NRA. And I would love to jump back on board and support his moving forward and taking ownership in that helm. But regardless of how people feel about it, that doesn't solve the child that's at a school, that's a soft target that has no information, has linked with no Second Amendment organization that can give resources or training to help solve this problem. That child or those children, babies that are in there, they don't care about your political affiliation. They just know if a psychopath is in here, they need someone to come help them, whether that's the instructor, whether that is uh, the janitor that's trained and has a firearm and can conceal and wants to respect the law but can't, because they they work in a gun-free zone. So we have to make sure that we're supporting all organizations that are willing to give their service and their time and their energy and resources to solving this problem. Demonizing the NRA or any organization that would be stepping up to do that does not protect life. And that's the bottom line that we have to get to. Regardless of people are anti-gun, left, right, whatever, there is no one, no sane person that I'm going to talk to that's going to say, Yeah, we don't care about those children if they get shot or not, whether they're pro-gun or anti-gun. And if we start from that very basic position, which is, okay, you don't want certain people to have firearms. Can we at least agree that someone should be on site, maybe multiple people, to protect our babies with firearms from these type of atrocities? And if you are a person that would say, no, I don't want someone or people that are trained with firearms to protect our babies, you Sir or ma'am, are extremely evil, and I hope you get everything that you deserve.
0: And and I'll just say they, they won't be able to because you can't make up for killing 21 people, right? There's, you, you know, you can only kill someone even if you actually kill them so many times. But 202-521-1320, Joe, you're on with Maastra Go ahead.
7: Uh, Hi, uh, Lee. Thank you so much for having me on today. Um, I appreciate it. And your guest, uh, Maj Chiray, hello. Um, Thank you as well. What you're saying is absolute, I mean, this is the absolute truth. Um, I taught at a school in the inner city for, what, seven or eight years? Um, one thing that helped us, the teachers, we became very, very close. Um, was a neighborhood school, as most inner city schools are. is why, in my opinion, you don't really see a lot of this in in inner city schools. You know, mass shootings. Not to say you don't see them in neighborhoods. We understand that, unfortunately. But as far as in the school, is usually because the teachers, you know, because it's neighborhood, we always knew what was going on. You know, so a lot of things we could stop and step in in the, you know, in the daytime. When we had the kids with us, you know, put a stop to some of the beef and all the silliness that was going on in the neighborhood and it and it worked. We had no issues for all those years as as a team. Secondly, we had a couple of uh teachers who, who were concealed carry. I was in Missouri and um, you know, we knew and, and had these discussions on a regular basis. Anything goes down, we had a code, you know, the uh, where we said all of us, all the teachers got together in a meeting and were like, hey, what are we going to say? God forbid anyone walks in here. And, yes, do we have a few incidents of, you know, parents who were misbehaving, you know, and threatening and all that stuff. But we had a code to lockdown. And that was like Red Book or something, you know, could you please return um, the the um, whatever Red Science Book, you know, the Red the red One or what have you. And we knew like, okay. Boom. You know, that's it. Life off, you know, kids on the door. And I agree, but because we have this plan to where the teachers that were concealing carry, you know, we can get them out through the back door to where their cars are. Um, you know, cause they had, I know one had a big, big, weapon, a big rifle and his, he kept in this car regular on a regular basis. Um, we need to get him out, you know, so he could defend on the perimeter. We had two that were ex military as well. So I agree, you have to equip the teachers. You know, um I, I definitely agree. And especially in the high school, I know in the country where I am now, uh, in Kansas, it kids not, you know, there there were the legendary stories of kids who were, you know, hunters um who carry their their guns on, on racks. And that was just like wow, you know, kind of mind blowing back in the day because, you know, in the city Uh, kids weren't doing that. You know, they were carrying or or sneaking guns or however they were getting them, but as far as just having them out in the open... And I, I questioned that, like, well, do they ever get stolen or any problems? No, you didn't hear about, you know, and you do not hear in the in deep in the country, you know, these schools, these kids who do carry, who do, you know, who grow up with gun, you know, guns, gun safety, um, uncles, dads, grandpas, you know, teaching them how to shoot and hunt and all of that. You, they don't have these issues, and they they have guns all over the place. So, I mean, I could not agree more. You have to equip the teachers to defend you know, the school or um, pay for security guards that are carrying, because that was another issue that a lot of city schools have. So I won't keep you. I'll leave you to it. But great, great discussion, as usually. Um, And thank you, sir, for all. Yeah, Joe, great call.
0: Maj, what do you think about Joe?
7: Um, I I think that's 100 percent
6: accurate. I think that when we when we pretend as if these problems aren't real issues and we put our heads in the sand, We embolden people that want to make us be our whole body in the sand, okay? And so what's happening here is we're seeing a group of people that are making the decision to say, hey, um, this is our culture. We are firearms owners. We're not going to pretend like we're not. And in those spaces, you know, it's like hard for a bully. Of course a bully doesn't want to go somewhere where there's going to be someone actually um, there to potentially stop the threat. And so this is seen over and over again. And and this this isn't new science. This isn't a hardcore concept to grasp. And the data, again, clearly shows it. the areas where there's more of those restrictions on the right to keep and bear arms, you consistently have more violent crime. You have, you know, this guy in Buffalo literally saying, I'm going to this place because I want to kill black people and black people don't have the means to protect themselves in this location. And that's a problem. So when you switch that, You know, when you have over the last 30 years where licenses to carry have increased and violent crime nationally outside of, again, just what the mainstream media says, violent crime nationally over the last 30 years has been on the steady decline, decline. Okay, and so we just have to make sure that we're recognizing this, stepping back from the elephant, looking at the data, not saying that the the gun itself will solve every problem because it won't. But when we're talking about teamwork, like Joe was saying, teamwork among instructors, Teamwork amongst family, teamwork amongst the community saying we're going to stop certain things. We're not going to allow certain things to go on. That's another slither of the solution. Then another slither is, okay, how are we addressing some of these young students? This kid down in Texas allegedly was felt bullied because he had purple hair or whatever color. And how are we making these young people feel whole? Are we just selling our children to the pharmaceutical industry? And now they're on psych meds and they are having emotional and mental problems. Are we addressing that that way? These are all spokes in the overall wheel of the solution, and it's absolutely necessary that we as a community and individually look at it as such. One thing is not going to be the entire answer, but a holistic approach absolutely can and will be. And, hey, Mads, we
0: are talking about the NRA, and you mentioned some other gun groups, National Association of Gun Owners, Gun Owners America. I, I'm familiar with those groups. But are you familiar with... The Huey P. Newton Gun Club. And there's a, a, a chapter in Dallas.
6: Anna, Absolutely. I'm familiar with a lot of those guys. A lot of those guys follow us on our social media. Um, Official Black Guns Matter on Instagram. A lot of those uh, guys and women follow us on our uh, YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash Black Guns Matter. Um, yeah, I'm familiar with the Huey P. Newton Gun Club. Very important gun club, especially culturally relevant to a different demographic.
0: Which is fair to say leftists blacks and black nationals maybe. But the Hippie New and Gun Club, I was at a protest that they did when I lived in Dallas. And I'll just say the Hippie New and Gun Club are not clowns. Those brothers know their weapons and they have good trigger discipline. You know what I'm saying? They they're not just Let me ask you this much. I'm not a gun user, but what's the deal with people holding a gun sideways? If you see a person holding their pistol, you know what I mean? That's a clown that, who
6: doesn't know what they're doing, right? Am I right? That person has been fed a mainstream narrative that this is supposedly what makes you tougher. And if you turn the gun this way, somehow it's going to shoot better. That person is a victim of mainstream media. No different than in movies. They pre- every time someone presents the firearm, it makes the click-clack sound. This is what mainstream media does to make sure that the general public— is unaware of firearms knowledge. These people are victims of that in reality. And we got to look at it as such. You know, we got to remember that there is a uh, unseen hand deliberately attempting to make sure that the people of America slowly erode their own rights by uh, voting or suggesting uh, things that are in opposition to their own personal protection. There is an unseen hand, a small cadre of individuals and very powerful positions that want that. We just have to make sure that we are uh, educating people about the reality as opposed to letting them fall victim to more of the ignorance that mainstream media and a lot of times, to be honest, Hollywood presents, because it can be very alluring, even though it's incorrect.
0: And there used to be a tradition. A lot of times now race gets thrown in, but obviously with people like Malcolm, Right, and people like Huey P. Newton and the Black Panthers. People forget this: the Black Panthers. One of the first things they did, there was a major public event, was they went to the California State House, loaded. Right, my junior, I'm talking about, right?
6: Absolutely, one percent correct. One hundred percent correct. I mean, I think I think that's very important. And a lot of times, what happens is folks will oh. Grab um, grab that money out of the thing. Um, a lot of times what will happen is people will forget that very basic fact. And that very basic fact is you have a human and constitutional right to make sure that you have the means to keep and bear arms. And I think that what happens is it's packaged a certain way when it comes to certain people, right? And that packaging and- makes people fall victim to something that is, again, going to feed them and operate them in their own disinterest. Malcolm X was great at clarifying that. He clarified that thoroughly, you know, and saying that we have, we have a right to stand on these lands and defend our lives because that is the human right that we were afforded as codified in the Constitution and Bill of Rights of the United States of America. So we, we encourage people to step into that and remember that very important com- concept because it's very, very important.
0: And that was the point the Pens were making when they went to this California State House. They said, "This is our constitutional right," and that's right. where the Huey P. Newton G- Gun Club got their name from. And they have in a couple of says, but when I say they're not clowns, you know what I mean. The people in the Huey P. Newton Gun Club, they know the weapons, and they take them seriously. And people who respect guns take them; they know how dangerous they are. Right. So they approach guns in a different way. They don't approach them like it's a toy or they don't put it sideways because they saw a TV show. Don't say much.
6: Absolutely. And I think it's very important because I got to get out of here real quick. But it's very important. I want anybody that's listening that agrees with this conversation and the, the types of conversation that you have on this platform. We are doing this work. We right now, more than ever, the onslaught is about to be on. They're attempting to make sure that people are unaware, uneducated, unprepared, and unarmed. Right now, if you're listening to this conversation, and if you really want to support the work, our classes are free to all. Please, everyone, give. All of our classes are free and by, based on voluntary donations. Go over to the site, givesendgo.com forward slash solutionary. Again, givesendgo.com forward slash solutionary. Give 10, 20, 40, 50 bucks, whatever you can give. And make sure that these classes remain free to all, because this type of work is very important. I'm about to leave right now to set up for a class, a free class right now at our Solutionary Center. So thank you for the time. Thank you for giving this platform and being brave to make sure that we're going in a direction of freedom and liberty for all Americans. And again, everybody that wants to support, please shoot over to the website, givesengo.com forward slash Solutionary.
0: And great appearance. Thanks for being on the show, Maz Shorey. So much. And hopefully. Uh, uh, on this day of tragedy, a different perspective in a lot of ways than willing to hear, but someone who's in favor of liberty and is not afraid of liberty, but as wanted to exercise his rights as an American and a Black American. Maestro, thanks so much for your parents. We'll be back with a conversation about Ukraine and Russia on the backstory. In the second hour of the show that comes to you live from the Empire of Lies and brings you the truth behind the headlines and better discussions of free speech, no censorship zone. This is the backstory. And Rod, great job booking Maj
1: What did you think of the appearance by Maj? Oh, I think, I think that was great. Uh, you know, Hopefully the listeners got, a, like you said, a different perspective. You know, um, I don't personally know Maj like that. I know he's from Philly and he's uh, no nonsense about what he cares about. And that's what it's uh, the Second Amendment.
0: Right. And and he's he's both. He, and I'm glad I I asked people to call in because the call from Joe was great, too, wasn't it?
1: People now you never hear that discussion in mainstream yeah. media. Yeah, you, you're 100 percent right off. I can't even remember when I've heard a, a teacher talk about, you know, having plans for an active shooter, which, you know, you should. It's not, we don't live, you know, some people present America as a utopia, you know, especially the people in and around D.C. and other major cities. But, you know, we don't live in a utopia. We live in a, we live in a world where things can happen and you have to be prepared for them. You know, you have to be prepared in your home. You have to be prepared in school, work, et cetera, et cetera.
0: And let's try to get Mahjong in a few weeks when we don't have a tragedy The day before because again great guests and uh i I like it because it's just opinions you don't hear and again mainstream black activists like malcolm like the panthers were explicitly pro-gun back in the day right back in the 60s they were expressly pro-gun and where's that come up ever
1: no, yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, um, you know, Black Lives Matter that came in in I think 2013. They kind of sorted. Uh, they they uh, twisted that. You know, they 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 brought up Malcolm X and they used. They paraphrased his what he said and what he stood for, and they used it for their own, you know, their own motives. But they did leave that part out. I mean, everyone sees the picture of Malcolm X standing in his. Uh, I'm not sure if it was his living room or dining room at the window after his house got firebombed. He's got an AK in his hand. So that's a, that's a famous picture, an iconic picture.
0: Yes. And coming up, we got a pre recorded interview I did with Mark Sobota straight out into Moscow. This is the backstory. And I've said before, I do think racism exists. But real racism, if you want to look at explicitly, avowedly racist, look at Cecil Rose, who settled in South Africa. He said he was trying to do it to preserve the white race in Africa. Look at people like in Ukraine. Look at people like the Nazis in Ukraine. They're explicitly in favor of the white race. And they're loved by the U.S. white liberal establishment. Establishment, white people. Because it's closely tied into UK racism. That's where explicit racism occurs. And I, I also will throw in the Margaret Sanger thing. I think it's no surprise that Margaret Sanger is an idol of the Democratic Party. And no surprise, and anyone look up this history, people don't know it. The KKK was an organization that was tied directly to the Democrat Party. I don't think this stuff is accidental. I think white establishment liberalism, which comes to us from the UK, is explicitly racist. But what they managed to do is fool people into thinking, Rod, how many people do you think Republicans are racist just don't hear anything else they accuse republicans of racism
1: wait can you can say that say that one more time how
0: many people think if you ask them what party is racist oh okay what party yeah, yeah. has um, a clear history of racism if you ask uh, someone what party has a history of racism the democrats or republicans i think most people would say the dem the republicans of course
1: yeah, no, they would definitely say the Republicans because we have a short, t- short term. We have a long term memory problem and we have a short term memory. So people would say the Republicans, they'll say, like, oh, look at Charlottesville. I'm like, How do you even you know what happened in Charlottesville? Can you tell me what happened in Charlottesville? And, you know, nobody can really give you any details. It's just, you know, they'll just, you know, Trump said there was very good people when there were Nazis there. And just they just get emotional, I, you know. I don't do the mental gymnastics games. You know, I like to talk to people like, I understand you can get emotional, but I don't want to talk to you based off emotion. And that's your rationale. Cause that's, that's dangerous. You know what I mean? Like you just, it's just like somebody with a gun, you know, uh, if they're emotional, you don't want to feed into their emotion cause they, then they're going to use it. So it's, it's it's the same way. And I believe these white liberals, they're becoming even bolder now. And they're even, they're they're willing to show you their racism.
0: Right. And,
1: I mentioned the UAP Newton Gun Club,
0: and I was at a demonstration in Dallas, and the brothers were armed. They had long guns and pistols, and there was another group that was counter protesting him and it was almost all white guys, and they were armed too. But that demonstration, I felt safe because they were armed and they're not,
1: they yeah, weren't, they were, yeah, they're not, they were yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly right. And I saw white people, they showed I showed them the pictures I had taken, and they made a comment that they had good trigger discipline, which is they weren't walking around with their finger on the trigger of their gun because that's stupid, right? Anyone who knows how you go carrying a long gun in public. You don't stand there with your finger. You put your finger near the trigger, but not on the trigger,
1: right? Yeah, I've seen that at the range. I've, I haven't gone to the range a, a lot, but I've I've gone a couple of times and I've seen people if it's their first time, you know, they grab, they're immediately the first thing to do is when they pick up a gun is have their finger on the trigger and, you know, the instructor, the first, you know, they'll stop them immediately. Like, no, that's not the way you pick up a gun. So I, want just,
0: everyone, yeah. I want everyone to listen to this next interview with Mark Saboto straight out of Moscow. It's about 45 minutes long, and then we're gonna have a few minutes at the end. Listen to it and feel free to call in with questions or comments about the interview. We talk about so many areas, including how the war's currently going and whether Russia is winning, that I'd like you to call in. So listen to this and feel free to call in afterwards. Let's roll the interview with Mark Soboto, please. And we're very pleased to be joined now from Moscow by the great Mark Soboda. Mark is a international relations analyst and uh, foreign policy genius. Hey, Mark, how you doing?
8: Lee, thanks for having me. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be on The Backstory.
0: So I want to talk to you about – go go ahead.
8: Yeah, I don't know about genius or anything like that.
0: You're pretty good. Your predictions have been very prescient and correct. Which is, I want to ask you, uh, the common question a lot of people have is who's winning this thing? And to me, it's very clear, being a, trying to be objective, Russia's winning handily right now. And even Ukraine, you had a person from Ukraine say the Donbass isn't going well. He yes. Did they admit that? So, yeah. trying to be fair and objective... I I think Russia's mopping up this thing. What do you think?
8: Yeah, I I don't know if I'd use the term mopping up, but uh, Russia is winning the conflict. It is a grinding, brutal war of attrition where the primary weapon of use, the the weapon that is causing the most deaths on the battlefield on both sides, but far more on the Russian side, uh, is artillery. Uh, Russia is a very artillery-heavy military, right? Uh, They use what works for them, right? Their military is actually designed for a mobile defensive combat on the plains of – uh, Eastern Europe right in belarus and 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 ukraine and and uh, uh, Western Russia, um, and they used what worked for them in World War two uh, and their artillery i mean there 's plenty of u uh, s military um, articles reports you know uh, from from the brass from 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 the analysts that that Russian artillery is good right they have a lot of it it 's generally longer range. And greater firepower and greater rate of fire. Uh, uh, There there, there are a lot of articles about the artillery gap, right? Um, And the way the U.S. uses overwhelming air power, like a shock and awe campaign against Baghdad, that is what is happening right now in the edges of the Donbass administrative region in a salient between the towns of Severodonetsk, uh, Kramatorsk and Slavyansk, which are like the last real holdouts uh, in the administrative regions of Donbass, where the uh, Kiev regime military forces have been building uh, fortifications for eight years. Um, and they're they're pretty substantial. I mean, there's meters thick concrete bunkers uh, and and uh, boxes and 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 so on. But they're being ground into the dirt, and they don't really have any artillery left of of any uh, uh, number to substantially return fire all over the the country uh, where Russia is engaged. The Kiev regime military is not capable of mobility, right? They have, wherever the Russians are, they have retreated inside their own cities uh, where they uh, take perch in residential buildings, right? Because when you're defending a city, there's not much else, but uh, the whole problem comes with, are there still people in those buildings, right? Then it's a war crime if that's what you're doing. If they're not, you've moved them out. You're still destroying your own cities, but that's a kind of a, you know, a scorched earth policy. But right now, this, this salient is being pounded. It's the last supply lines have been cut off in the last couple of days, the last tenuous one uh, into Severodonetsk, uh, and now is being divided up into mini cauldrons. And you're starting to see the the lack of ammunition, the lack of food, the lack of any real firepower to fight back with, i.e. mechanized firepower, having its toll. And there was just a, a credible reports today of another 500 ukrainian soldiers surrendering and every day or two right you're not you're not seeing this reported in the western media really at all Uh, but you're not paying attention to the right things then and and telegram is the best source of the social media app is the best source of military efforts uh of updates every day another town or two in most directions Around this cauldron in Donbass are being uh, liberated by Russia from, from the Kiev regime forces, uh, by, by Russia and the allied forces of the Donbass republics. So it's important to remember that there are Ukrainians on both sides of this conflict. There are tens of thousands of Ukrainians fighting on, alongside Russia's military to drive the Kiev regime forces out of the Donbass, out of their home in East Ukraine. And it's a grinding war of attrition. It's brutal. Russian casualties are not insignificant, but they're winning and they're going to win. And, uh, you know, this uh, constant flow of arms and money is just making the agony of Ukraine, of the Ukrainian people, um, the Ukrainian military uh, last longer and having a higher cost to try to keep this U.S.-backed Regime that seized power in 2014 in Kiev as long as they can.
0: Well, I appreciate the pushback a little bit on mop, the term mopping up because I am trying to keep it fair. But let me tell you why I'm saying mop it up. Let's talk about what Ukraine's goals were. Uh, often people talk about Russia's goals, and we can do that. But Ukraine had some goals going into this military conflict, too. One of Ukraine's goals, I think, clearly and they still have it is that russia pull out of crimea
8: right Didn't yeah r- uh, that's 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 uh, rhetorical insanity is what that is
0: right but but it, it it was a goal that the ukraine had and they've said it many times
8: they they said it yesterday zelensky's on it again they they will not accept that that Crimea and the Donbass are no longer theirs. Those two areas want nothing to do with the regime that seized power in 2014.
0: And that Russia has not lost literally one inch of Crimea, right, since the conflict?
8: No, no. I mean, they've taken huge areas of southern Ukraine above Crimea, the entire region of Kherson. Uh, and um, it's in the midst of its own political reorganization. Uh, the, the, the governor right now of Kherson, uh, appointed by the, the Russian Civil Military Administration, is a former mayor of Kherson city. Right. They're putting people that, uh, you know, had previously been in elected office in East Ukraine up until the 2014 back in positions. They're reasserting the political representation of East Ukraine itself over the Kiev regime. And Harrison is really important in that um, that is where the water supply to to Crimea was cut off by the Kiev regime. They built a dam. To stop the flow of water through the canals down the
0: Ukrainian government,
8: the the Kiev regime. Yes. Yes. Um, The they built this dam to collectively punish the Crimean people for choosing wrong. And that has it has dealt a substantial blow to the to the agriculture. Uh, of Crimea over the last eight years so that dam no longer exists it's been blown up never mind that it was a crime against humanity to deny water just as it is in Palestine just as it is in Syria the same thing uh, in in uh, uh, Ukraine and Crimea but because the u.s supports the regime in Kiev you know you, they never talk about it in those terms they just try to ignore that issue but it's no longer a problem and that's a significant chunk also part parts of Zaporozhye um and and now uh, you know the, uh, the the vast majority of the Donbass republics this last um concentration it's substantial there is there at least at the beginning of the conflict there was some 100,000 of the Kiev regime's military forces uh in that area of east ukraine that are now uh enveloped in a cauldron and and hunkered down and just trying to to survive um and any sane mili- you know political person would say uh would come to terms to save the lives of their men because they do not have the ability to fight back in any real effective way well also um,
0: also uh, let's talk about her for a second Kurt. Karsan is – a lot of people are impetuous mm-hmm. because the Ks are silent, right? That's the mistake I make as an American speaker.
8: Yeah. But – It's it's kind of a huh. – it's more than a huh. It's, a, it's a, a a little more guttural. It would cause me
0: to spit on my microphone, so I refuse to I, do that. Just,
8: just try to think like you're speaking Klingon. That, that helps, so I find. That does yeah. help. But yeah.
0: uh, Karsan, I think that Russia's realized – And I don't think they necessarily thought this at the beginning. In order to protect the Crimean people, the people in the Crimean region, they have to have control of that city because they don't want to be damned again. They don't want Kiev to damn it again. And that city, talk about that is firmly in Russian hands. And when I say firmly, I don't just mean militarily. Aren't? Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Russia, people in Kherson, they're paying for stuff at the local store in rubles, and yeah. Russia's paying the pensions of people. Yes. So they're firmly in control, right?
8: Um, yeah, they. Harrison is, is firmly – I mean – in Russian control, but actually it's the people of Kherson, the East Ukrainians, who, who are running things uh, for all intents and purposes. Russia is just providing funding for the moment. But agriculture from Kherson is already on sale in uh, Crimea and and in Russia. Uh, strawberries, uh, cucumbers, uh, which are you know real big in this part of the world during this season, that's uh, they're they're already on sale, and they are transitioning to the ruble right now. We're in a period where both the Russian ruble, wh- which is showing remarkable incredible strength, best performing in the currency in the world right now, actually, um, is uh, it's much better than it was at the start of the conflict, which is crazy. Um, But uh, the Ukrainian Krivna is being transitioned out. And it's not quite clear. There is talk that there is going to be a referendum uh, in Kherson for the, the people to see, to form their own uh, independent Republic. There's other talk that the, uh, the the former mayor, now governor, is saying uh, that uh, that actually they want to join Russia. Um, and it's it's not quite clear, but I do not think that this region will be going back to the Kiev regime. Right. Wow. Uh, this this conflict ends with the partition or even the balkanization of Ukraine at some point it's just a question of where and her son has already fallen behind that line.
0: And in fact Russia said that. I think it was the Foreign Ministry today who said Donbass will not be going back to Ukraine. Yeah,
8: right? Yes. I mean th- that that was a given. I mean the Russia because the Kiev regime refused for seven years to fulfill the Minsk Accords that they agreed to with France and Germany as guarantors uh, with the u s saying that that was the way forward you know up until russia 's intervention, but despite you know everyone agreeing that well the kiev regime wasn 't really going to do it, we just agreed to it to buy them time. Um, And it was solidified in a U.N. Security Council resolution as international law, and it would have politically reconciled the regime in Kiev with the people of East Ukraine in the Donbass to reconcile the events of 2014 when the government – that the people of East Ukraine had overwhelmingly elected to represent them, was violently and unconstitutionally unconstitutionally overthrown in an open U.S.-backed putsch, and that would have politically reconciled the two two sides. It would have guaranteed Donbass some degree of autonomy of their own uh, and that they would have their political representation, not the politics of West Ukraine forced on them, which is what the regime wanted to do but they refused they refused for seven years they they even you know said we have no intention of ever fulfilling it they continued to shell uh the donbass uh day in day out for eight years and uh you know when the russia's last big diplomatic push for security guarantees and to uh from nato and to say hey you know You say that the Minsk Accords are the only way forward. Would you push – you know your pet regime in Kiev to fulfilling it, and they said no and no and no. Or Russia said, all right, well, okay, then we recognize the Donbass and we're going to defend them, uh, and because that's the only thing we can do left. And and right now, uh, Russia is, uh, you know, they've been debilitating, uh, degrading uh, the Kiev regime military uh, for some couple of months now, and they're pushing right now uh, the last of the Kiev regime military forces out of the administrative regions of the Don boss. Um, And but then it's not going to end there. And because the U.S. doesn't want it to end there, they want to keep shoveling money and weapons into the regime to keep them fighting. And they were quite honest about this. Right. Uh, the, The U.S. secretary of defense, Lloyd Austin, said our goal is to weaken Russia. They will fight Russia till the last Ukrainian forced conscript that they can. That they can stick uh, a gun or, or a drone or a, a switchblade, you know, whatever they can put in his hands uh, and, and push him out onto the battlefield. This is their goal. And you know, we've heard it uh, repeatedly, uh, including uh, even from uh, U.S. Uh, Senator Manchin in the last uh, uh, couple of days, that they will accept no peace treaty. At this point, Boris Johnson said the same thing. The uh, chancellor of Germany, Olaf Scholz, said that that th- th- Russia must be defeated in this war. I mean, this is the type uh, the, the uh, EU foreign policy, Van der and she said the same thing. This is what everyone is saying in the West, the political elite, and they are living in an alternate reality with no real conception of what is happening on the ground in Ukraine.
0: Well, and let's talk about what's happening in Russia, because one of Kiev's goals and the U.S. and the U.K. and George Soros said it yesterday at the W.F. in Davos, Switzerland, is regime change. They want Vladimir Putin to be out as a ruler of Russia, right? They've made no bones about it. It's a clear goal of theirs. How's that going?
8: Yeah. OK, so first of all, even the. Independent, often Western-funded polling agency, Levada, which is anti-Kremlin, shows that support for the military operation, the military intervention in Ukraine is is in 80%, right? Bouncing up and down a little bit, but 80-some percent, as is the approval rating slightly higher of Putin. Um, What is – what was – do you know what the first quarter economic growth in the U.S. was?
0: Uh, I, I I think if what they're saying is the inflation rate is around 9%, but I'm not sure yeah, what yeah, the GDP the, growth.
8: Yeah, the year-on-year the, the year GDP in the U.S. is down. It has contracted 1.4%. In Russia, over the same period, year-on-year year from last year, do you know what the drop in the economy is? Nothing. It's up 3.5%. So how are Joe Biden's war of economic sanctions and, and attempt to economically exclude Russia from the world working out for Americans right now? What's the price of gasoline at the pump? What's the inflation rate? Uh, we've got some minor inflation here, uh, but uh, all of my understanding is that it's worse right now in Europe and uh, the United States, and they keep saying that the economic situation is going to get worse for Russia. And I think Russians are well prepared for it to get worse. But right now, it's not because Russia is such a large supplier of so many important commodities in the world, oil, gas, Grain, number one wheat exporter to the world, sunflower oil uh, that most of the world uses for cooking oil. When the U.S. waged this war of sanctions on Russia, that had a result, and and tried to stop Russia's getting this stuff to the international market, that pushed the price of everything up. So while Asia is still buying Russian products, you know, you know, particularly energy. Uh, you know, is, is one of the big ones, uh, but grain as well. Uh, Russia's collecting r- record revenue on them. Russia record volume of sales and record prices.
0: And have and- you heard the numbers on inflation in Ukraine? I've heard some numbers that are off the charts, frightening.
8: Yeah, Ukraine does not have a functioning economy right now. They, right. they don't. They exist solely on tens of billions of U.S. and European taxpayer dollars that are going in. Of course, probably upwards of 50 percent of that is going into the corruption. I mean they don't talk about it now, but in the last few years, I mean even Western media has – reported that ukraine is the most corrupt country in the world that's not changing right now i hate to tell you because behind Zelensky are the oligarchs that still run the country right uh and and they're collecting this money uh hand over fist and probably secreting a lot of it away in foreign you know uh, bank accounts and uh, to tax havens and the like
0: and of course you're in moscow but you're in america you know you are raised in america and yep. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this or you have a sense of it, but my sense is that more Americans than ever are on Russia's side. A lot of Americans who didn't want to hear about Russia, didn't care about Ukraine, six months ago, they've started to look into this. They see that people like George Soros are slumming for Ukraine, and they're starting to question it, particularly Republicans. We had 57 House members And 11 senators vote against the Ukraine funding. And I'm getting a sense that people are starting to take a look at Putin and try to figure out whether he's this bad guy, like they've been told. And a lot of people are looking at it and going, I'm looking into it and I I don't think it's the case. Is there any sense there? And I'm not trying to be hopeful because American people don't run the government. You know what I'm saying there. Yeah. But I think more people than ever are open to the idea that Russia may not be this great Satan.
8: I I haven't seen any polls to support that, but you're there, and I'll take your word for it.
0: Well, one poll recently was that over 50% of Americans, 50%, 52%, think that the sanctions have hurt the United States more than Russia.
8: That's probably true at the moment, I would say, certainly ordinary Americans compared to ordinary Russians, yeah, I think so
0: yeah and and they're they're starting to realize it fifty percent, I think is a good poll number, considering how propagandized russia is uh, I well think-
8: one thing I think is clear is that Americans do not approve of where their president is taking the country. His right. approval rating is down record low 36% I think is what I saw today. Is that is that right? That sounds high uh, but but yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the uh, a record number of Americans say that the country is moving in the completely wrong direction. As you, you see inflation, as you see, you know, a Baby food shortages, uh, this latest massacre—you know, after massacre after massacre of children in the U.S. Um, it's it's all having a, a morale effect, I think.
0: Now, uh, talking talking about the military progress, do you get the sense that since the fall of Mariupol and the surrender of about twenty five hundred Ukrainians and the Azov battalion there, do you get the sense that? It changed the morale of the Ukrainians and that things are about to really fall apart. I'm getting that sense when I watch some of these battles in places like Donbass, and I'm hearing these statements from Ukrainians and from people like Henry Kissinger, who's kind of saying, hey, you're going to have to. He's still saying Ukraine's winning, but he's saying he, he, you should start to consider negotiating.
8: Do you yeah, think b- because that's what happened when you're winning, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Let's be honest there. Um I think uh, a lot of the Ukrainian uh the Kiev regime, I don't like to use the word Ukrainian because like I said, there's Ukrainians on both sides of this conflict. Yeah. I mean I've got family in Ukraine. Good point. Uh, or at least that the 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 people in Kiev politically rhetorically consider Ukrainian. But the Kiev regime forces, uh, you know, hunkered down in Donbass. I don't know how much news they get on a daily basis. All right. Certainly not anything that's not pre-approved and and along the line. I mean, let's face it. There are there are, uh, you know, what are the the far right the banderites the the, the neo nazis like azov and and um, uh, Idar and right sector they are spread throughout the entirety of the military right now as political officers essentially and you know they 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 pull out the gun when someone tries to to surrender or talks about it and they control the flow of information but I think simply the conditions that these troops are facing in the Donbass, right? Again, our shell, brutal artillery shelling that never stops, right? Um, That um, uh, no ammunition, no real ability to fight back, uh, uh, running low on food. And there's very little ability to communicate When with their superiors, with Kiev, with a greater chain of command, they're to a large extent, very much isolated. And all the reports that I'm hearing from the Kiev regime forces that are recording their own videos saying, you know, we're not fighting anymore because you're not we we don't have the ability to fight and you're not communicating with us, even when they have the ability to Kiev is just silent. They, you know, they say uh, we need reinforcements. We need ammunition. We need to withdraw from this position because it's suicide to stay here. And and then there's just no reply. They're, they're expected to hold and, and they don't say anything because they can't provide anything for them. Uh, and but they they refuse to let them surrender. They refuse to let them retreat. Um, it's uh, it's it's cruel. It's cruel.
0: And I think that. Some of the propaganda war that Ukraine has been trying to fight, it's all based on lies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the lies, you can only sustain a lie for so long.
8: Yes. I mean, whether we're talking... The 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 Snake Island martyrdom hoax, the ghost of Kiev, the bombing of Babayar Yar, or Chernobyl, or or you know uh, you know uh, a million Russians killed, and we'll be in Vladivostok next week, and uh, uh, it is just complete disinformation every day. And I mean, the U. S. even admitted themselves. That they are putting out, like the CIA, the intelligence agencies put out themselves, that they are putting out erroneous information as disinfo, as intelligence. Right, as if it's U.S. intelligence. They're reporting it as if this is coming from an anonymous uh, intelligence official, and they're saying that it's disinfo. But they, you know, then they use the excuse it's it's to pre up the pre up the Russians. Right, that's that's the thing. So it's not just the Kiev regime that is telling lies, but it's it's the U.S. Uh, intelligence and military as well. And if you don't believe that. Just remember the last 20 years of of, uh, you know, the failed U.S. occupation of Afghanistan and how often the military lied and they've admitted they lied again and again and again uh, about, you know, we're winning. We've turned the table. We'll have them beat just another five years, just another 10 years Um, And and they're doing this isn't even their fight directly. It's a a war against Russia, but it's a proxy war with one thin degree of remove at this point and an economic war and a hybrid war and a cyber war and an economic, you know, everything. But um, they're lying about this as well.
0: Now, uh, another area of propaganda is you still have some Americans denying the Nazi part of Ukraine. And you and I have been talking about the Nazis in Ukraine and Banderites for years. You've been a guest on various radio shows I've had. So I was thinking about something. We take something for granted. And I want to ask, their argument is typically, they'll go, well, you have Nazis in the United States. And my argument is, and they'll say, we have Nazis in every country. But it's not the the same.
8: Are are they armed and funded by the, the state and sent to kill their own people? In in the tens of thousands and you start naming streets after them and holding national holidays on their birthdays and, um, uh, you know, um, glorifying them as the founding fathers of the country, then no, it is not the same thing. And let's that take is, Moscow because
0: well, I'd love to point out yeah. Moscow's got Nazis and you would not deny that there's a some people who – Identifies nazis in moscow how, I, I, would, how no,
8: are, N- navalny was far right in in russia and and i one small step perhaps removed from being a nazi and the u.s supported him here i mean let's, let's be right. honest
0: <laughs> and in moscow i've never been there but in moscow are, is there a torch lit parade that often that happens every
8: year no no, not honoring Stepan Bendera, the, the leader of the Holocaust, uh, uh, perpetrating Nazi collaborator from West Ukraine. No, not honoring him and not honoring anyone else. In fact,
0: I, I was saying about this. I think Ukraine is unique among nations in the world. I can't think of a single place, not even Canada, the Bahamas, Jamaica, whatever, pick a country where they have people with a torch march every year that's protected by the government.
8: Uh, Latvia and Estonia. Maybe maybe not necessarily torches, but they have Waffen-SS parades. Uh, They they also fought on the side of Nazi Germany, and they, they did the same type of kind of trying to whitewash and rehabilitate the uh, the uh, Nazi collaborators in their own country because it is the bulwark of anti-Russian national sentiment, and that is geopolitically useful. Uh, so I, I, I don't think that they actually do torchlit parades in Latvia and Estonia, but they definitely have uniformed SS parades that are allowed and often promoted by the government. Yes. And people –
0: In in terms of their denialism in the US, they like to make fun of it, like Russia's goal isn't denazification. But let's talk about one of the goals that Russia had denazification and demilitarization. Do you think that goal, which was clearly stated by Russia at the beginning, meant the entire country? Is Russia trying to denazify Lviv, for instance? Because I don't think they meant that. I think they meant Donbass.
8: I don't know where this ends, and I'm not so sure that people in the Kremlin know it when. They wanted a regime in Kiev, a a government there to agree to terms that would help – that would stop the glorification of these people, that would lustrate them out of politics, Uh, and that's not going to happen. So – if russia is to keep that goal i don't know where it ends i don't think russia will ever go into west ukraine it's not the same situation they don't have the level of support there no one i mean western ukraine and eastern ukraine are very different creatures in terms of their ukrainian national identity conception and and east ukraine where they generally overall you know uh you know see russia as a brother people uh the, the same is not true in western ukraine because of history and culture and them not even being part of ukraine for hundreds of years but poland uh polish lithuanian commonwealth or the austro-hungarian empire and they're the ones who welcome the, the nazis into the country and that's why there's such bad blood between west ukraine and and east ukraine uh you know politically today and all you got to do is look at any election map for the for the last 10, 15 years, you, 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 can see that. Um, but, um, I, I sincerely hope that it stops sometime before Russia. Uh, I, I, I think more than likely it would be the, the logical point is some type of partition along the Niper river, which divides Ukraine west and east. And that's, that's basically the political dividing lines as well. Uh, but, um, I, I mean, How do you live with a state that worships Nazi collaborators and Holocaust perpetrators and hates you on your border? How do you how do you live with a a state that that says these people are now heroes and the founding fathers of the country w- in whatever shape, whatever rump state of Ukraine is left out of this, you know, whether it's, you know, just missing the Donbass and Herson or something more. I, I don't know how Russia lives with that. That's why I think that this is basically going to be a forever war. I, I don't think that you're going to see stability now in Europe for definitely years, possibly decades, because I don't think that you can put Ukraine back together Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall or was pushed off of it. You can't put them back together. Um, uh, and I do I see uh, it, it basically at some level of conflict, whether it's guerrilla conflict or, or uh, a NATO-Russia proxy war continuing or or something of the sort. But I don't see peace re- returning to Ukraine as a whole.
0: Well, let's talk about that the Western part future. of Ukraine and Poland <laughs> yeah. in particular, because Uh-oh. Poland is lovey-dovey right now. There was a picture of Zelensky hugging Duda recently, but – However, there is a long historical, including the Banderites. Stefan yeah. Bandera was Polish.
8: Massacred tens of thousands of Poles.
0: Right. So, do you th- do you think Poland is currently got their eye on part of Ukraine and Poland taking part of Ukraine back and Galicia?
8: Well, right now the rhetoric coming out of of Warsaw and – and uh, well, I don't know if Zelensky's uh, – Kiev or, or Lvov, whoever you want to call it, is that they're erasing the border between the two countries. They're basically creating the legal grounds and legislation that has, has just been enacted in Kiev to allow – Polish citizens to run for office in Ukraine, to to uh, vote in u- Ukraine, to serve as the police uh, to maintain stability, which is they are making the legal grounds for for letting large number of poles into Ukraine to fight at this point. Uh, at least initially, it's probably going to be under the guise of volunteer forces, um, but. Uh, eventually, it could be the Polish military moving into West Ukraine uh, to defend it. Um, that That is a, a possibility somewhere down the road, although that is an escalation. that I, I don't know where it ends once Poles and Russians are, are fighting somewhere in Ukraine. Uh, but uh, this is not going to end well for anyone, I don't think.
0: Well, talking about it not ending well, could it not – is it possible – that might not end well for Zelensky because it seems to me a lot of the Banderites in Western Ukraine wouldn't like the parts of the country being given back to Poland, and wouldn't because they have underlying hostility for Ukrainians uh, for for the Poles. They might eventually take it out on Zelensky and feel like he sold them out. Is that possible?
8: I think that. Uh... This modern iteration of the Banderites has put their anti-Semitism at least on the back burner, and I think they've they've put their anti-Polish sentiment. Even further back, right, because the, the times have, have have changed for them now, they see the threat as the East Ukrainians that that identify with Russia in their own country and Russia, so i don't think we're going to see that happen. I think that they see the poles as as allies right now. And I, I don't think you, you're going to see that kind of backlash. In fact, they might actually prefer it in many ways to Zelensky, whom the uh, the far right, the ultra nationalists in West Ukraine regard as as too weak and all, all along. So um, I, I I don't think you're going to see that.
0: And you briefly mentioned Hungary. Yes. Where do you see things going with Hungary? Viktor Orban is not exactly going along with yeah. the EU NATO line.
8: Yeah. Uh, One is one is because of energy security, because Hungary gets so much of its energy. Two is because of bad relations between Hungary and Brussels. Right. There's no question that they hate. They've tried to sanction him. They hate Orban. They hate his conservative politics. Three, Orban and the Hungarian government hates. Zelensky and the regime in Kiev, because there is a Hungarian minority in uh, Southwest Ukraine, a small minority, uh, but that have been have their language rights removed and have been repressed by the regime in Kiev, just like the uh, you know Russian-leaning Ukrainians in East Ukraine, and that's a very sore spot uh, uh, between um uh budapest and 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 kiev uh so uh orban is is probably going to be um curmudgeony and and resist and create problems uh for kiev and in, in any ways that he can
0: mark we've had a great conversation we're about out of time but i want to urge you try to stick you know keys of faith because I know you're enduring the hardships of no McDonald's and no
8: Starbucks, right? I, I, I tell you what, um I haven't been in a Starbucks or McDonald's in at least ten years. So no. I'm I'm not. <laughs> yes.
0: And Russia'll be okay because there are, I take it there are other coffee coffee places and other oh, places. There's, a ton with of burgers. Them.
8: there's there's a ton of them. Uh and they're At least as good on some things as as Starbucks, you know, better on some other things. And there are plenty of fast food places here. So um, Russians are not suffering any any great dearth of not having fast food or not having coffee. I hate to tell you.
0: Mark Savola straight out of Moscow. Great talking to you, Mark. Thanks very much.
8: Thanks for having me. Lee.
0: great conversation with Mark. You there, Rod? Yeah, I'm here, Lee.
1: Yeah, Mark knows his stuff. Yeah, he 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 lays it uh, straight, no chaser, man. He he puts it out there. He doesn't uh, hold back anything, and he cuts right through the propaganda that we that we are drowning in here in America.
0: But I do think
1: less people buy it than ever. I
0: was shocked, actually, that eleven senators voted against that funding.
1: weren't weren't you? That's a I thought it would have been two. Yeah, that's that's a lot higher. I was right around there, probably maybe three or four. But, uh, you know, 11 is a good sign. And, um, you know, hopefully there's other people who have, uh, you know, won their primaries who are also on board. I mean, on the Republican side, I don't really expect anybody on the Democrat side, sadly enough. But on the Republican side that, you know, saw what's been going on these past uh, what three months. And, and, you know, you see people like Ted Cruz and uh Dan Crenshaw going over to Ukraine and taking pictures and all, all this stuff, but they don't go to parts of America that, that need help, or, they, or even parts in their own state like Texas that need help. You know, But if
0: they, you think about it, 11 senators is about 20% of Republicans because they're half the Senate roughly. So that's over 20% of the Republicans. And I would have thought they would have been afraid to say it because they'd be called Putin puppets or whatever, you know, that BS. But I was— I was surprised by how high that number was. And I think we have no way what they, what the New York Times is never going to do is a fair poll to see what people actually think of Putin, right? They're never going to want to have a fair poll, see what actual American opinion is of Russia and Putin. But I think it's a lot higher than they act like it is. I've said before, 50% think the sanctions are hurting us more than they're hurting Russia. And again, I would have thought it would have been much lower than that based on the propaganda alone. Because it's true. I've noticed, you know, I'm unafraid to say that I, I like Putin. But I do get attacked for it. And people know you'll get attacked for it. But there's been five years of people being attacked as Putin puppets. And I think people are less afraid than ever and more open to the idea. I swear to God, if some candidate came out running for president saying this has gone too far with Russia, we need to not approach him as an enemy. We need to look at are historical similarities with Russia, which is true. During the Civil War and during the Revolutionary War, Russia was our ally. Catherine the Great thought the British were to fault for the conflict with America. And there's nothing about Russia that is incompatible with people who are patriotic Americans. Do you, you you've heard me a lot of this rod do you think there's anything incompatible with being a Putin fan and being a patriotic American
1: uh no I don't I don't see anything um I would say there's more things in common I think uh, putin's a, a a patriot of his country uh, you know he has certain things that uh he raises concerns about in Russia but he's a, a patriot of his country and if you're a patriot here in America you like you know you, you respect uh, the Constitution and, and and love and want a better way of life I mean why wouldn't why would you be why would it be contrary to be you know against Putin you know why would you be like oh you know I got to be against Putin what what benefit does that have
0: and also people talk about this he's pro family he's pro you know else has talked about this a lot is Elon Musk have you seen Elon Musk talk about the problem we have with so few people having kids
1: have you heard elon about that rod yeah he was talking about automation and the problems with us having like pretty much this is my take maybe you can correct me but he was saying because we're having so few kids automation is going to speed up and we we have to speed it up to keep the country functioning and you know so pretty much if you have more kids it would slow down automation
0: and he's he's also he also a general danger but putin knows there weren't enough babies being born in Russia a few years ago about when he came into power and he explicitly wants Russians to have more kids and we're here having a fearsome debate about abortion and transgender teachers and transgender athletes we're not talking about having babies it's, I've said this before. I noticed I was at the town council. I was at a, a meeting about it in Sioux Falls. And candidates to the town council were all falling over themselves, talking about ways to support daycare for mothers. And you hear a lot of talk about daycare, don't you, Ron?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a big topic. It's a big, it's a big, uh, I mean, it's a big issue for, for single mothers, um, but that's, you know, who have children. So, yeah, it is, it is an issue.
0: And I talked to a friend of mine. I said, I'm not opposed to daycare and making it easier. But what's wrong with saying, let's try to do some things to make it easier to be a stay-at-home mom? Right? In other words, when are you seeing the government do anything to make it easier to be a stay-at-home mom?
1: I can't even think of anything. I can't even think of anything, and and you know, welfare that doesn't count. You know, so that's what people. You know, someone has answered. Well, you know, given welfare that that doesn't count.
0: Right. No, it's not. And I'm saying there are some things. I'm not saying subsidize them or whatever. Simply make it easier for people. You know, I think maybe one thing could be done. Is there could be some kind of different tax break if you're a stay-at-home mom,
1: right? I think that's a good idea, Lee. You know, a lot of women talk about wanting to be well. Not let me not let me paraphrase that, but a good number of women talk about the aspiration to be a stay-at-home mom. And obviously, you need a husband who works and can provide for the family. So, but I I agree, that's a great idea.
0: If you're if you're a woman, you want to work, great, go for it. But I don't think you should be pressured into working by the economics of it. Does that make sense? I think women is a valid choice, and it's good for the kids when you're a stay-at-home mom. If people want to make that choice for their family, that one of us, likely the mom, will stay at home with the kids, they should be allowed to do that. And government should encourage that but that's his epic for another day. We're out of time now. Great show today. Maj Ture from Black Guns Matter, fantastic appearance, and Mark Savoda straight out of Moscow. And so much thanks to all the callers, Malik, Brave, Ingrid, Tarif, and Joe. Great calls today. We'll be back tomorrow on The Backstory.